I appreciate Dr. Shetler. He's one of my closest friends, and I prayed for him for several years. He was a campus parent to two of my siblings in college and had a great influence in their lives. And I was so glad when he came to serve here. But I'll never forget the day he said he had an idea for Joshua camps. He wanted people to come to Lancaster for camp in July and August where there's no water, it's 110 degrees. And I thought, that is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. It was one of the best ideas he ever had. Uh, I travel all summer, but this year I happened to be here for one of the weeks of Joshua Camp because I was happily selected for jury duty. And so I had to be here, and uh, I actually came back for that week, and I got to watch, I got to hear Dr. Getch preach, got to uh, see Dr. Shetler preach, and then I got to go to the testimony night, the last night, and it was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And uh, I'll tell you what, if you could carve out three weeks of your summer, to help with the two Joshua casts, be here for an amazing vacation Bible school to serve the Lord, it will be well worth your time. I told him after that, I said, we're going to change something. I said, I'm going to have a tour group here every year for Joshua Camp. I said, it'll be a great use of their time, and we'll be doing that even this summer. And uh, I hope that you will prayerfully consider that. Uh, it would be great. Uh, I judge camps by who's speaking. And the speakers at Joshua Camps have been great, and I know it'll be a blessing to you. Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me, if you will, to Joshua chapter number one. And if you're a teacher here, I promise I'll be done by 11, so I'll only be 10 minutes late. No, I'm just kidding. I won't do that to you. I teach third hour every day as well, so I know the pain you're feeling even right now, and uh, I'm aware of the time. Joshua chapter one. I believe in the importance of keys in life. We all have keys for different things. We have a mailbox key. We have a key to our office. Most of you have a key to your home, unless you use your garage door opener and go in that way there. Keys are important. My wife and I have spoken at scores of couples retreats, I think 80 or 90 of them. And I'll often say there's some keys to a good marriage. I said, ABC, adoration, balance, communication. There's some keys there. Of course, built on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this morning, there are a few simple keys for you to use if you're going to go on to victory as a college student. And I want to share them with you this morning. Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1, here's what the Word of God says. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan and all this people unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. As I said unto Moses, and I think about this, he promised it to Moses. I said it unto Moses, I'm telling you the same thing. I'm repeating this. For the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And if you don't have that underlined in your Bible, you should. Because God will not fail you, and he will not forsake you. 
That is just an encouraging, encouraging thought. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, <clears throat> for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear to their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. That very familiar passage, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not, have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Yes, even in college, even in dorm life, even in working in a secular position. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, which is their food, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And to the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to half the tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest, and hath given you this land. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I pray you be with us these next 25 minutes or so. I ask for your help. I pray I'll have clarity of thought, clarity of tongue. And Lord, it's my desire that this will be a help to each and every student here, and even staff and faculty alike. Lord, we need you, and you have something for us to accomplish. And I pray that we'll use these keys that are found here in this passage to help us to do and help us to be what you would have us to do and to be. Lord, I acknowledge in this as in all other things that I need your help. And we ask for your help even now. We're thankful that here you are with us. For where two or three are gathered together, you're there in the midst. And I, Lord, I pray you will be pleased, you will be honored, and you will be glorified. And I pray that each listener might be a little bit closer to being what you'd have them to be as they go into this year for having been here this morning. And Lord, we would be remiss if we did not stop and pray again for the leadership conference. I pray for each speaker, each workshop leader. I pray for pastors he leads. I pray you give them strength. I pray you'll rest well going up to it these last few days. And Lord, I pray you will use that time as delegates from literally around the world arrive here I pray you'll speak to their hearts. I pray they'll be strengthened, encouraged, and edified. And Lord, I pray you'll help us to be a part of that during these upcoming days. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Israel <clears throat> had been delivered from Egypt. That was a wonderful thing. They've been in slavery. I can't imagine what that must have been like. Building the pyramids, being mistreated being the lowest level of humankind there in Egypt, and God had delivered them. By the way, God will deliver us from the slavery of sin. He promises to do that if we'll ask Him to do that. In the Old Testament, this is a picture of us being slaves to sin. That's not what God intends. He wants to free us from that. Salvation frees us from the slavery of sin. 
we now have a new nature. Now we have an old nature as well. They're at enmity one with another. And by the way, I often say this, the nature we feed the most is the one that's going to win. Are you feeding the new nature? Are you listening in chapel, in church, in Sunday school, in class? Are you feeding the new nature? Or is most of the feeding in your life coming from social media or Netflix or friends? So we see a situation here that being freed was a wonderful thing, but it did not get the children of Israel into Canaan. In fact, you know the story. They were going to spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Do you know that the journey from where they were to Israel was only 11 days? All of that wasted time when they could have been enjoying the blessings of God. Many people feel like going on to victory is impossible. Uh, it's sad to me that 10 of the spies didn't think they could win a victory. They said, no, there's giants in the land. There's walled cities there. We can't make it. And sometimes people in college say, there's a lot of projects there. I've got to work a lot of hours there. I've got to take tests there. But God's Word says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can win the victory. You can have a good attitude. You can go on to victory. There were two men, you know them, they were Joshua and Caleb, and Joshua and Caleb said, we believe God. I just like that. They said, we can win the victory. They said, God is able. And young person, can I say this? God is able to help you through college. God is able to help you to get through four years, or three and a half years, or five years. And you can walk across this platform, get your diploma, and go on to serve God. God is able. Now the arm of flesh will fail you, but his arm fails not. Are you leaning on his everlasting arm? The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, it says, There are 11 days' journey from Horeb, by the way of Mount Seir, unto Kadesh Barnea. 11 days' journey. But it goes on and says, And it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel according to all the Lord had given him commandment unto them. Now, you say, why did this happen? If you're to cross-reference the Bible as the best commentary of the Bible, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, now all these things happened unto them for examples. And they are written for our admonition, a warning to us. Are we going to pay attention to their example? Will we take this admonition and learn from it? So can I say this today? Let's not just be saved. It's wonderful to be saved. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. But let's go on to victory. Uh, let's not be the kind of Christian that says, okay, I'm fine. I know I'm going to heaven. I've got my eternal insurance policy, and I'll just go through life, maybe like a carp floating downstream, when God wants us to go forward and to claim victories in our life. The choice is ours. Canaan is a picture of the victorious life. Now, this is not heaven, which is a place of perfection, but rather it's a place of growth. And God wants us to grow. In fact, he tells us that we are to grow in the nurtured admonition of the Lord. I happen to think that Bible college is a wonderful place to grow. 
so many times you're going to say, boy, that helped me. That was an encouragement to me. Can I challenge you with this? Leadership conference will be a great place to grow. Pay attention. If you're not working in time, go to some workshops. Listen carefully in the morning sessions. Listen carefully to the preaching. It's going to be a great time. Will you grow? Or will you just kind of float through, oh, we don't have classes on Tuesday and Wednesday? Or will you use that for the purpose of edification? The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. We will be responsible for what we hear in these next few days. But today, I'd like to share with you three simple keys that will help you and help me to go on to victory. Number one, the key of preparation. The key of preparation. The Bible says in verse 11, prepare you victuals, for in three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land. Victuals. It's an old English word. It's food. We often like to think about the next meal. If we're missing a meal, the meal after that. Uh, If we're gone at a certain time, we're thinking about when are we going to eat next? It's hard to miss a meal or two. Oh, we get hungry. Can I challenge you today to have a hunger for the Word of God? You know, if you're in my classes, I often challenge you, did you have your daily time with God this morning? David said, early will I seek thee. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Can I challenge you, friends, to study? I just wrote a curriculum for striving together the Apostle Paul. And Paul said this, that I had to put this on the cover. I said, please put this. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. That is such a convicting thought. Can we tell people around us to follow us as we follow Christ? Can I say this? I remember roommates that I had back in the 1970s who were faithful in their daily walk. I could follow them and their example. The Bible says this, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I believe one of the great keys of preparation is to be in the word of God. So many things want to suck the time away from your life. You just take it away. It happens to all of us. About a year ago, my wife said, you need to get on Instagram. You can see your grandchildren in Thailand. And I love my grandchildren. And my daughter started teaching in a Christian international school last year. And so they're not as accessible. I used to call them about 10 o'clock at night. That'd be about noon at their time. I figured it was a good time for them to have a break at their homeschooling. My daughter didn't always think that, but I thought it was good. And so I'd often call them at night, but now they're in school at that time. I can't call them. Really, the only time I could talk to them was on Friday nights. And sometimes we've got things going on. It doesn't work out well. Or maybe they're busy in ministry on Saturday. We don't make a connection. So my wife said, you need to get on Instagram. That'll be great. And I got on Instagram. It was awesome. I started seeing these pictures. My daughter would send me little videos. and It was great. But then I discovered some more things on Instagram. Did you know that there's cooking shows on Instagram? Did you know there's a guy on Instagram? His name is The Meat Guy. Brother Smith, he knows about him. By the way, I don't appreciate you being called the missing link, but that's another story. 
the meat guy. And then they're what are called reels, and one will lead you to another cookie one. They're showing you how to do things. I learned that if I'm going to cook ribs, to you put a binder on it, apple cider vinegar. You put your seasoning on it. You let it sit there for four hours. I run home at lunch and put them in the pellet smoker. And when I come home about four or five o'clock, you just want to say, come home to daddy. <clears throat> so I discovered cooking shows that I scrapped. That was great. And then I started discovering sports highlights. My son said, you're on Instagram. I'm going to send you some cool stuff. I saw some of Steph Curry's greatest shots. Oh, I love that. The man with unlimited range. I saw killer crossover dribbles. That was awesome. I saw some of Shaq's most dominating dunks. So we've gone from the grandchildren to cooking to sports. And then I discovered something else on Instagram. Pranks. <laughs> Dr. Shetler, I found when people get pranked in the world, they don't say good things. And one night I was sitting in my chair, the same chair I had my devotions in, the same chair I often read in, until my wife says, you can go and read in the other room and turn the lights off. But the same chair, and I realized I'd been on Instagram for an hour and 20 minutes. I said, that's it. I had to take it off my phone the next day. All of a sudden, my reading went back up again. What is it that just maybe you need to remove or greatly curtail. I don't think that none of those things were sinful, except for maybe a few words the people got pranked set. Can I just tell you this, friends? The Bible says to redeem the time. And the greatest way you could redeem the time is to spit it in God's Word. There's nothing greater. There's nothing greater. We have a Chinese foreign exchange student who lives with us, and he knew nothing about the Word of God when he came here. He'd never heard of David and Goliath, never heard of Jonah and the whale. Well, one of the ways I'm trying to help redeem the time is to learn some Scripture. Last year he learned Psalm 1, he learned Psalm 23. Right now we're working on memorizing, we've got the first four verses down of Psalm 19. I'm trying to help him. How much more important is that for people who are in ministry? Preparation. I read a story a few years ago about a young boy, an Indian boy, the name of Arvid Makankale. I think I'm saying his name fairly correctly. He's really good at spelling. And a few years ago, he came in first in the Scripps Spelling Bee for the world. He came in first at the age of 13. Obviously a very bright kid, but what was interesting was he had been third the two previous years. At both of those two previous years, he'd failed on a word that had German origin. So this year he won. He won on a word called canadal, K-N-A-I-D-E-L. I have never heard of that. It's a German Yiddish word for dumpling. And I know all of our Oriental students got excited. Dumplings, okay? Never knew the word. Here's what the young man said at the age of 13. He said, last two years I lost the tournament when I failed to correctly spell a word of German origin. 
So he said, this year I worked diligently to prepare myself for that area. And so when they came to the German words this year, I wasn't worried. He got the word right, and he won a $100,000 prize for winning the spelling bee. He made preparation. But let's change it over to spiritual preparation. In the 1880s, there was a young man who was a serious Christian. He didn't work in ministry. In fact, he worked in a pawn shop. He disliked his job greatly. But he tried to do it faithfully as unto the Lord until a more desirable opportunity would open up for him. But he wanted to prepare himself for a life of Christian service, exactly what you are trying to do today. And so he wrote this down on a scrap of paper, which you can still read today. He said, I do promise God that I will rise early every morning to have a few minutes. By the way, he said, not less than five in private prayer. I will endeavor to conduct myself as a humble, meek, and zealous follower of Jesus. And by serious witness and warning, I will try to lead others to think of the needs of their immortal souls. I hereby vow to read no less than four chapters of God's Word every day. That'll take you through the Bible in a year. I will cultivate a spirit of self-denial and will yield myself a prisoner of love to the Redeemer of the world. That was written by a 17-year-old young man. His name was William Booth. He was the founder of the Salvation Army that literally saw hundreds of thousands of people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ under his leadership. I believe he prepared himself, and God used that prepared person. There is a prepared place for a prepared person. Can I challenge you to use the key of preparation? The Bible says, blessed are the undefiled of the way who walk in the law of the Lord. God promises a blessing if we'll meditate on his word. Psalm 1-3 says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit of season. His leaf also shall not wither, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. God promises a blessing for memorizing his word. By the way, there's protection in the word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 37, verse 31, the law of God is in his heart. This is so interesting. None of his steps shall slide. If you ever found yourself sliding? This summer we were in the coast of Oregon and someone put us up in a very nice Airbnb. The pastor's wife cleaned the house. Uh, I think it was $550 a night. They got it for free, obviously. And the young people in the group wanted to go down and walk on the beach. And there wasn't a path down for that house. They said, well, if you go down a little ways, there's a slope you could go down. There's like a cord that's tied to rock. You could just, it was a thin, thin, like barely bigger than twine, but it was strong. You could get down with that. Well, I had my phone. I would take some pen. I would go for a walk on the beach. And I got down that thing. And then it started raining. And it was just like straight up like this. I'm going, this is going to be a problem. And I'd walk for a mile or two. And I said, I was sliding going down. And before it was raining, I knew I would slide going back up. So I said, I'm going to find another way. Well, most of the houses there that have decks that have stairs go down, they usually have a gate that's usually locked. But being tall, I could step over the gate. I'm hoping someone wouldn't shoot me, you know. And I made my way up those stairs because I did not want to slip. It's no fun to slip. 
Have you ever slipped on ice before? How many have ever done that before? I've actually done it one time in Lancaster. I was out door knocking with Brother Furso, and it had gotten cold the night before. I had a big stack of flyers, and the ice was in the shade. I didn't see it. I hit that, and I came down. I remember I broke my watch, I tore my jeans, and about 50 or 60 flyers went everywhere. Brother Furso, who's got the gift of encouragement, was across the street. He began to laugh very loudly. <laughs> what a friend. I'm careful about slipping. I don't want to fall down. Can I say this? I don't want my steps to slide in my Christian life. And the Bible says the law of God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. Number two, we must hasten. We see the key of power. The key of power. You cannot have victory in your own strength. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings be made conformable unto his death. You can't defeat giants or walled cities by yourselves. The Israelites didn't defeat Jericho. God defeated Jericho. Ladies and gentlemen, if I were up here today and I take my coat off, and I take this coat and I put it here on the pulpit, I say to that coat, coat, wave to the students here. Lousy coat. Coat, pick up my Bible here. Nothing happened. What happens, ladies and gentlemen, it's when I am inside the coat that then the coat is able to wave. Then I can pick up my Bible. Can I say this? It's Christ in you where you get the victory. I want you to make it. We pray for laborers. This week, call for principal. This week, call for assistant pastor. This week, call for youth pastor. The harvest field is plenteous. The labors are few. You see those real places? Yeah. Pastor Mike Kitty, call me this week. Oh, Pastor John, call your Texas. Needs a principal. So I'll talk to you at leadership. You're needed out there. You're needed. Let me challenge you. Make sure it's Christ in you as you're going forward. You need God's power. Years ago, I heard about a missionary. His name was Herbert Jackson, who as a new missionary went to a field and he took over the house and the car of the missionary who had preceded him, and he found out the car would not start without being jumped. That's a pain in the neck. It was a headache. Well, Herbert Jackson soon learned the best thing to do, he'd either leave the car running if it was in a safe place, or he'd try to park it on a hill where he could put it in neutral, start going down, and pop the clutch, the car would be started. He did this for two years. <laughs> it was a pain. Finally, ill health caused him to come back to the United States. Before he left, the new missionary came and he handed the house over and he gave the car. He said, now, the car doesn't work real good, but let me tell you what I've learned. I, if you just park it on a hill, you could just start going down. You could pop the clutch. You'd be going just good to go. The young missionary went over and opened the hood, looked inside, and he said, why, Dr. Jackson, I, I think I found the problem. There's a loose cable it's not connected to your battery. He put the cable on the battery and tightened it up, got the car and turned the key and the car started right up. 
Now, Dr. Jackson probably didn't feel real smart at that time. But when I read that story, I immediately thought, are we connected to the power of God? This morning, I had a free hour before this. I called the widow. I said, will you please pray during this time during chapel? I want God's power. I woke up early this morning, and I texted my brother about 4.30 in the morning, and I said, I'm praying for you as you speak at leadership conference. And he texted me back about 6 in the morning. He said, anything I pray? I said, would you pray for me? I'm preaching in chapel today. He said, what time are you preaching? I told him. He said, I'll set my alarm to pray for you at that time. That means a lot to me because I want God's power. I don't want to do it in my own power. We need the power of God. D.L. Moody once held up a glass in front of an audience and he said, how do I get the air out of this glass? And someone said, well, put a cap on it and suck it out with a vacuum. And Moody said, well, that would break the glass. And after numerous other suggestions, Moody took the glass and took a pitcher of water and he filled the glass up. He said, when the water comes in, the air is now removed. He said, the secret to the Christian life is not sucking out a sin here and there, but rather being filled with the Spirit. When He fills us, He'll push the other things out. The Bible says in Philippians 2, verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. God works in us. And finally today, we see the key of possession. Possession. This land. Uh, not the land on the other side. Don't be happy with close. There were three tribes. Reuben, Gad, half the tribe of Manassas that did not claim their inheritance. They didn't get all the way there. Uh, this could be the almost category. You've got Egypt. You've got the wilderness. You've got almost Canaan, just the other side of the Jordan. But God wants us to have victory. Oh, they were better off than they were in Egypt. They were better off in the wilderness. But they did not have all the victory they could have had. Are you shooting for victory? Are you saying, with the Lord's help, I'm going to accomplish something? Matt Emons was an Olympic athlete for the United States. He shot the small bore rifle in the 50-meter competition in the Olympics. This is one of the saddest stories I've ever heard. He was down to his last shot. He did not need a bullseye to win. In fact, if he only hit the third ring out, he would have won the gold medal. It was in his hands. In what was described as an extremely rare mistake in competition, Evans fired at the wrong target. It was one lane over. Standing in lane two, he fired at the target lane three. By the way, it was a bullseye, but it was the wrong target. Because it was the wrong target, he got a zero. That put him in eighth place. He did not even get a medal. It doesn't matter how accurate you are if you are aiming at the wrong goal. Can I challenge you to have the goals for this year a preparation of God's power and of possessing what He wants you to possess.